Connecting the gospel to physical suffering is one of the most essential things you will ever do. And the good news is always perfect when there is bad news, but how to make those gospel connections are not quickly apparent, especially when your pain is acute and ongoing. In this podcast, I want to give you seven practical ways to think about the gospel and physical suffering. I have been doing some podcasts and some articles on our website about connecting the gospel to various things. The last podcast and article was connecting the gospel to loneliness. I also have connecting the gospel to arguments, connecting the gospel to evil and unfairness. All three of those articles and podcasts are linked in this one. The title of this podcast and the article is How to Connect the Gospel to Physical Suffering. Now, the reason that I'm doing this is because one of our supporting members wrote in and asked that specific question. I'm going to read to you what they asked so that you will know, and then I want to share these these seven practical ways to think about the gospel and physical suffering. Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here. If you want to read this article, please go on our website, and you are more than welcome to do that. In fact, we have, we have hundreds upon hundreds of articles that you can read, and all the Your Daily Drive articles, they are linked or they have podcasts embedded in them, and so you can listen right from your browser or your favorite a podcast platform, and, and that would be fantastic. As always, you can read this podcast and you can print it off. Now, this will be good because it, you know somebody who is going through suffering. In this podcast, I'm talking about physical pain, but it is applicable to whatever your suffering may be. And so perhaps you want to take this article and the podcast and and share it with someone. You're welcome to do that. And if you roll to the bottom of it, you'll see the print button and you can print it off uh, as a PDF. You can print it off uh, on your computer and, and that would be just fantastic. As always, too, if you have any questions for me, you can jump on our free community forum and you can ask those questions, and that would be fantastic. Let me get into this by sharing with you what our supporting member said and what they asked. Quote, my husband is disabled and in high pain daily and on morphine to keep the pain down to a seven on the pain scale. The scriptures that I see on suffering seem to relate to the gospel or relate the gospel to persecution when reading in context. How would I relate the gospel to my husband's pain since it's not related to persecution? That is a fantastic question because the truth is it applies to every human. I'm actually doing this podcast during the COVID-19 pandemic that has been wrapping the globe over the past a couple of months. And, and so 
everybody's ear is attuned to suffering, not that it, it wasn't before, but it has been heightened a bit, at least in a specific way, as as fears are, are running rampant and people are wrestling with this idea of either the suffering that they're going through, the suffering of someone that they know, or the potential suffering that is out there that, that they can contract. Well, that, in addition to our normal fallenness, makes this podcast and this article quite uh, relevant and quite essential for all of us. And so the question that this lady is asking, it is not only smart, but it is insightful. And it is a plea from someone who loves God and loves her husband. She wants to think rightly about what is happening in their lives, not just hers, not just his, but their lives. And one of the beautiful things that I like about her question is that she's asking for someone else, but not just someone else, someone that she is married to, and they are one flesh. Uh, your, if you are married, your spouse's problems, your your spouse's disability, your your spouse's struggle, it is yours too, and so you enter into the pain and the suffering of the person that you are married to. You're not suffering like them, but you're suffering with them. I remember one of the specifically, one of the uh, miscarriages that Lucia had. And it was really made aware to, to me at that time as I watched her suffer through that for, for days. And, and I suffered as well, obviously not as acute and obviously in a different way. But it was, you could say, one of the positive, one of the pieces of grace that God gave to us was to bring us together even more so as we went through this together. And that's why I say one of the more beautiful things that I see happening here is God's grace that is wrapping around this lady and her husband, and she is advocating and she's advocating for him by asking this smart and insightful question. Well, in order to understand how the gospel connects to physical suffering, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. And the Lord was clear, not just clear, the Lord was direct to Adam by stating that if he ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, he would most assuredly die. Those are the words of Genesis 2, 16 and 17. It says, quote, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, help yourself. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. We, we not only know the rest of the story, but because we were born in Adam, we are experiencing the rest of the story in real and despairing ways. After Adam ate the fruit from the forbidden tree, there was a dramatic change in his body and soul. His immediate 
transformation. In fact, you can read it if you go back to to the hinge point, which was Genesis 3-6, when he partook of the forbidden tree with his wife Eve, there was immediate transformation, body and soul. You didn't see the body part or perceive the body part per se, but we know that it did happen because Adam died. He was 900 and something years old, I, I believe. But, but the soul part, you see that immediately as he was afraid and he felt shame come over him. And so the transformation, body and soul, was immediate and dramatic and, and was only part of the curse that humanity has experienced because of that blunder. Adam started a death march to his future grave while experiencing physical challenges, upheavals, and and deterioration of his of his health. Physical suffering proclaims loudly that we need the gospel. Only the good news of a Savior can bring a reversal of the death that we are living. Christ is the last Adam. And rather than submitting to the temptations of Satan, as we see in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, he resisted so he could rescue you and me. One of my favorite verses in, in all of the Bible is in 1 John, where it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. As you think about the gospel and physical suffering, I want you, I'm going to go through seven gospel connections, and I want you to reflect on all seven of them. If you enjoy writing, some folks do, my appeal would be for you to take the time to put your thoughts down. If you'd rather talk to someone, fantastic. Do that. Connect with your friend and discuss how the Spirit of God is illuminating you and motivating you. Now, some of you will want to communicate with those who are suffering. Please do that. You know somebody who is suffering. Perhaps sharing this resource, this article here, the podcast that you are hearing right now. Also, within this article, I, I have probably two dozen other articles embedded. And so there's a lot of material here. It could, it could be a, a one- or two-month homework assignment for someone, a, a, a true beneficial time of study and reflection as they work through uh, their suffering. And so perhaps you can bring practical encouragement to someone as well as benefiting yourself. All right, so the title of the podcast is How to Connect the Gospel to Physical Suffering. I want to give you seven gospel connections in no particular order, and this is not an exhaustive list by no means. And so number one, they're all gospel implies. Let, let me give you all seven of them, and then I will walk back through them so that you'll know where I'm going. Number one, gospel implies. Number two, gospel contains. Number three, gospel beckons. Number four, gospel helps. Number five, gospel inspires. Number six, gospel evangelizes. And then number seven, gospel empowers, implies, contains, beckons, helps, inspires, evangelizes, and empowers. Number one, the gospel implies. The clear implication of the gospel informs us that there is something wrong with us. 
If nothing were broken, there would be no need for the gospel. And so it's a logical and accurate assumption that everyone will experience physical pain and personal suffering. We, we should not be surprised at it, or maybe we would be surprised when it, it comes, but we should not stay in that condition because the gospel implies that we are living in a fallen world and we are fallen people. And so it is a clear and loud implication that there is something wrong. And as we, I mean, the whole world is experiencing now in, in a unique way, in the sense that the suffering that we are going through, we're all hearing the same thing, seeing the same thing, experiencing the same thing. It's one kind of suffering. It is a, it is a virus. And it says that there is something wrong. And so we should live in an awareness that this is our, this is our life. Now, we shouldn't live in, in fear. We, we should live courageous. We should live grace-empowered. We, we should live redemptively and evangelistically. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But, but we should not live as though that is not real. And there are people who do that, by the way. Even though the gospel implies that there is something wrong with us, people do try to ignore it, bury their heads in, in the sand, and, and, and even go into some bad habits because they don't want to deal with the reality that there is something wrong with them. Number one, the gospel implies. Number two, the gospel contains. What I mean by that is not all pain is equal. There are miscarriages and there are abortions there are young folks that may die while, while others enter into eternity after a long life. What I'm saying here is the gospel contains all of that. The gospel is comprehensive. It contains miscarriages, as I was speaking earlier, as Lucia went through, I think, three of them 20, 20-something years ago. It contains abortions that we all have experience with one way or the other. These are the miscarriages and abortion or children that, that aren't born. And then young folks die. I, I remember one of my pastors said, uh, old people will die. Young people may die. And so there are no guarantees as far as how long we are going to live. Ironically, some people can smoke cigarettes most of their lives and die old, while others will never take a, po a toke. I was I was gonna say puff and toke at the same time. My my pass was was coming in at that that moment. We take a toke when we smoke weed and and smoke when we smoke cigarettes. But some people never smoke or toke, and they die early. And the gospel contains that the curse is random, but nothing is outside the wisdom and permission of God. The gospel not only contains all kinds of death, physical death and physical pain, but so does God's wisdom and God's permission. Number one, the gospel implies. Number two, the gospel contains. Number three, the gospel beckons. Physical suffering is one of the louder testimonies that rises from the human soul, appealing to God for his gospel. 
Our daily physical deterioration bespeaks of our acute need for relief that will only be completely satisfied outside of ourselves. Ironically, and this is this is a passage that you do have to you do have to deal with, and it is Second Corinthians one eight. Paul said this in Second Corinthians one eight. He says, "For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction, the, the physical pain that we experienced in Asia, for for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life our, itself." And sometimes the pain level can be that high to where you are, you are wishing for death. And some people actually, actually kill themselves. But Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of what we were going through. Even though it was beyond our ability to control the situation that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, verse number 9, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. He goes on to say, but that was to make us not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on him who raises the dead. As you focus on this passage of Scripture, notice notice the aspect of the gospel that, that Paul was pointing to. He said, rely on him who raises the dead. He was focusing on the, the resurrection aspect of the gospel. The gospel beckons us. It, it, it gives a loud testimony that our physical deterioration, it, it bespeaks of our acute need for relief that can only be satisfied outside of ourselves. And in this case, in this passage that I was I just shared with you, the Lord was permitting in His divine and mysterious wisdom to push Paul and his team outside their ability to fix the problem. And and Paul got the message, and he understood what the Lord was doing, that that we're going to rely on the gospel here. We're going to rely on Him who raises the dead. And so the gospel beckons us. And so the pain that you are going through is is calling you to rely on someone outside of yourself. Number four, the gospel helps. The gospel testifies back to us that help is not only present in the here and now, but there is favor awaiting us in some future day. I, I like this point, the gospel helps. Because you could think that when you think about suffering, you think, well, the gospel, it it helps me in this point in time. It does. But then you take that and you stretch it out. It'll help you in this point in time and the future point in time, and, and it will go all the way, all the way to when the believer steps into eternity, when you will experience the fullness of your salvation. You are entirely saved now. You can't be more saved than you are now. But you remember what Peter said as newborn babes, that we we, we grow by the, the milk, excuse me, the milk of his word. Well, there are stages to the there, there are stages to our salvation, and so at infancy you you grow up in Christ and you continue to to mature. But there is a fuller salvation, and we will experience that aspect of it in eternity. And so the gospel helps; it helps you now. But oh my, when you when you step into heaven and and you experience a transformation that none of us can really understand. To be honest with you, we get little. Little glimpses of it, 
in this life. You remember what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, verses 8 and 9, and part of what he said in that verse, he, he says that in that day, in that future day, when we step into eternity, there will be no more guilt can you imagine what life would, would be like just on those two points that you don't experience guilt anymore and that you don't experience physical pain anymore? I live with physical pain because of my chronic back trouble. And so my, my body reminds me every day, every morning with the alarm. There are two things that wake me up in the morning, the alarm and, and my physical pain. And they are there. My pain is like a, is like, a, like a shadow. And I don't know what a normal body is like. I don't know what, what, what not feeling pain is like. And I don't know what it's like to, to be completely f- free of, of guilt and shame and, and fear and, and however those things mix together in our souls but imagine that they were vanquished where the gospel helps. You know, you, you could say at this point that the gospel, I don't have hope in here, and I should. The gospel brings, the gospel brings hope. It's testifying back to us, not, not just in the here and now, but some future day. Point number one, the gospel implies that there is something wrong with us. Number two, the gospel contains, it's comprehensive. It contains all pain, no matter who it is, no matter what age, no matter what kind. Number three, the gospel beckons. It, it it's, it's rises up within us, and it bespeaks for our acute need for satisfaction outside of ourselves. Number four, the gospel helps. It helps in the moment, and it, it helps throughout eternity. Number five, the gospel inspires. The gospel inspires us by reminding everyone that God is good and he will finish what he started. Our fallenness and being born in Adam, that's how we came. We came from the dinged and dented section of the grocery store. We come into this world broken. But then because of the gospel, God, God imposes himself in, into our lives and he begins a transformation process, as I, as I was talking about earlier, that he helps us now and he'll help us in eternity. But it, it inspires us because it does bring us that hope because we understand that God is good, that he is a finisher. You remember what Paul said in Philippians 1.6. Listen to Paul's confidence here. I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Do you have that kind of confidence? Are you inspired? It is the gospel that gives us hope even amid the brokenness of our lives. If you really want to get into this, it would be truly beneficial to read Hebrews 11, one of the most painful but hope-filled chapters. In the Bible, those sufferers endured because of their future hope. And you see that. The two things that you see in Hebrews 11 is, is two, are people that are in some kind of suffering, physical suffering or, or some other type of suffering. And you also see a fixation on a prize, on a, on a future, on a country 
uh, that it is better and that this world is not not even worthy uh, as you read in Hebrews 11. It would be good to study that passage as you think about physical pain and, and suffering. So number five, the gospel inspires. Number six, the gospel evangelizes. It does. Our culture is floundering. Our, our culture is angry because they do not have an answer to life's problems. They are stammering and struggling and staggering all over the place. And they bounce from one cure to the next cure and one solution to the next solution, only to realize that was not a cure and that was not a solution. The Christian sufferer who understands the purposes and the eternality of the gospel is hope-filled, and it positions them to make a bold and compassionate statement to our society. They need what we have. I realize that when some suffering comes upon you, it takes you a while to be positioned to make a bold and compassionate statement. I, I get that. When my worst suffering came into my into my life, as I have said many times, it, it took me a, a solid decade, a solid decade, but the reverberations of that, you know, still continued after that. Uh, but it was after about a, a decade, I began to find my footing. I began to find my positioning where I could begin to make bold and compassionate statements to our culture, also to the body of Christ. The hope and help of the Christian sufferer has an evangelistic appeal. Point number six, the gospel evangelizes. And number seven, the gospel empowers. I want to use an illustration here. I'm sure you have yours, but uh, one of my uh, current uh, or present history, uh, Christian heroes, is uh, Johnny Tata, that I'm, I'm pretty sure that all of you know. Johnny Tata uh, struggles with quadriplegia, and has been since she was a, a teenager, and she's an older lady now, and she's been wheelchair-bound uh, virtually all of her life. And one of the highlights of my life was to be able to meet her in Philadelphia a number of, of years ago, and and it was remarkable. And she is one of the more remarkable testimonies of the counterintuitive power of the gospel. Point number seven, the gospel empowers. Her weakness, her body, her weakness is a container for God's power to fill. You, you see this in in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. With that thought in mind, listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Paul said this, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Johnny is a jar of clay, as we all are. And Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why, Paul? Uh, the rest of the sentence says, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The gospel empowers. Johnny Todd is one of the more remarkable testimonies as her weakness, her body is the container for God's power. 
and everybody knows everybody that knows her. I mean, it, it is it's more than a metaphor. It, it, jar of clay, excellent metaphor that is, Paul. Thank you for writing it. But we have this physical container that that many of you know one way or the other, and, and there is no question. There's no ambiguity here that that container is filled with God's power as he is perfecting his strength in her physical disability. And yes, Johnny has been an inspiration to millions of people for the glory of God. The title of this podcast and the article is How to Connect the Gospel to Physical Suffering. I have made seven of those gospel connections. The gospel implies, the gospel contains, the gospel beckons, the gospel helps, the gospel inspires, the gospel evangelizes, and the gospel empowers. If you want to read this word for word, please jump on the website, and you are welcome to do that under that title. I want to wrap it up and I, by asking you a couple of questions in the call to action part of the article. Question number one, what are your thoughts about pain, fairness, and God's goodness? Put those three words on a piece of paper, pain, fairness, and goodness, specifically God's goodness. What are your thoughts about those three things mixed together? Because the truth is our our container that's part of the mixture that's in our container. We experience pain, and, and we think about fairness, and I hope you think about God's goodness. But, but sometimes when people think about God's goodness, they don't have good thoughts because the pain is the pain, the accent mark is on the pain and not God's goodness. The follow up question In what ways do you need to address your thinking if it is not in line with the gospel? I have more questions here like that that will help you personally, but also as you interact with others, and so you can get those if you wish. Also, if you would like to chat with us, I would love for you to do that. You can jump on our website, rickthomas.net, and you can ask whatever question you want. It can be about this or it can be about something else. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.